activate the view screen and turn on your universal translators because it is time for another Galactic Netcast. Brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash galacticnetcasts. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. The Time Traveling Robots Space Podcast starts now. Hey, it's Thursday, November 7th, 2013. Welcome to another Galactic Netcast. This is the Time Traveling Robots in Space, number 70 from Waterloo, Iowa. I'm Dave Nelson. With me, as always, Paul Swickard from Glendale, California. And filling in for Anessa Moyens, our old friend, Mr. Matt Stein from Appleton, Wisconsin. How are you guys doing? I am doing fantastically. Better now that you're here, Dave. Oh. Oh, stop it. See, usually I make fun of you. I thought I'd switch it up and give you a compliment. All right. Well, you're like, and I love how I, I got the impression that Dave assumed that he, we were making fun of him. So I, I, <laughs> desired effect. I always assume that people are making fun of me. That's my defensive mechanism. Your haircut looks dashing, Dave. Oh, you're making fun bald. of me. Yeah, I okay. It. Got it. All right. So Anessa is, uh, was supposed to be working tonight. That's why Matt's filling in, but it turns out uh, it rained, so she's not working tonight. So uh, we kept you on anyways, Matt. Thanks. That was real swell of you. Yeah, that was pretty nice of you. I figured old, old Dave would have just been like, yeah, go fly a kite. <laughs> old? This is the new and improved Dave. Yeah. Uh, when, when did I change? I don't remember changing. When did I change? Probably this morning when you got out of the shower. No. There you go. Hey-o! Okay. Clothing. I got, I got it. All right. <laughs> Clothing slam. <laughs> so if you were a, if you were a stand-up comedian, would that be like your phrase? Clothing. <clears throat> if I was a stand-up comedian, we'd live in a sad, sad world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yes, that'll okay. be my catchphrase. Hey, um, I have two questions for both of you guys. Well, I have a question for each of you guys. Uh, what's up in Glendale this week? Anything weird happening? Oh, what's weird in Glendale? What's not weird in Glendale? These are really the questions you must ask yourselves. Are strange things afoot at the Circle K? <laughs> uh, yes, there are always strange <laughs> things afoot. Uh, let's see what's going on. Let's play a game. I'm going to type in Glendale, California news. <laughs> see what comes up? And see what happens. I know there's some controversy around these statues of what are called comfort women. Wait, hang on. What what are comfort women? <laughs> They're Japanese yes. prostitutes. Oh, okay. Oh, got it. Got it. Is that like a, in, is that a thing in Glendale? Um, Just apparently. Glendale. <laughs> so what's uh, what's the deal with the the statues then? Uh, let me find out real quick. You don't. Phil. You don't have to. We can. We can just go from there and forget it ever happened. I will. know, but see, the people want to know. I feel, I, I feel like. I feel like Dave's question of what's happening in your city was not meant to take up ten minutes. Right. So this is this is what's going on. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, there is a bit of a controversy going on. Because there are statues of in memoriam of comfort women. This is the statue. Okay. 
So it has to do with a monument remembering Asian women and girls who were used as sex slaves by oh. the Japanese Imperial Army in World War II. See, that's oh. a that's a great memorial. So what's the what's the issue? What's at issue here? That's another great question that I'm trying to skim to find out. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, um, protesting the roughly $30,000 replica of a memorial that sits outside the Japanese embassy in Seoul. Huh. So it sounds like it's a money issue. The advocates for the former comfort women say, that, say Japan hasn't sufficiently apologized to oh. the estimated 200,000 Korean, Chinese, Filipino, and other women okay. coerced prostitution. Okay. Huh. I get it. All right. All right. Well, so, yeah, apparently this is in Glen, all in lovely Central Park in Glendale. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm glad that we got that update. I, was, I know. It's <laughs> don't been, we all feel more? Aren't we all more informed? It's been gnawing at me for the longest time. I don't know enough of what's going on in Glendale, but now I do. All right. I'll be more prepared next week. I apologize. I, no, I threw you off. I, I threw you <laughs> off because it was a thing for a while, and then it wasn't a thing, and then I brought it up as a thing again, so... Uh, yeah. So my question to Matt is, what beer are you drinking tonight? Uh, tonight I have Coney Island Freaktoberfest. Ooh, Ooh. Cool name. Yeah, I picked it up uh, when I left <laughs> Minneapolis two weeks ago now, last week. And why were you in Minneapolis? I went to Minneapolis to bid a fondue to the band The Chariot, who was doing a farewell tour. And it didn't come to Wisconsin. Oh, okay. So I went out there and visited some friends. And, like, the tour was doing 1,000 venues, 1,000 seat venues. And the place we saw them's capacity was 170. Holy crap. Wow. It was uh, 7th Street Entry. Yep, familiar. Yeah. So it was crazy, to say the least. One of the guitar players hung from the ceiling and started bending the electrical conduit. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Now, that's a rock show right there. I actually had a really good time, but it was a lot of driving. <laughs> I drove out there Saturday, drove home Monday, and then Tuesday, uh, Alyssa and I went to Milwaukee for a concert. So I drove like 800 miles in four days. Wow. Yeah, it happens. That's impressive. Well, at least you had yeah. some fun. At least you had uh, got some memories out of it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's talk about the podcast. This is the show where we talk about time travel, robots, and space in science fiction and science fact. We do it by running down a news story from each topic, discuss our related entertainment picks, and ask and answer the question of the week. For the audio subscribers, you can see us do the show live uh, every Thursday night. Just follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Google+. We'll let you know when and where. Or watch us after the fact on YouTube, youtube.com slash galactic netcast. So... <laughs> Let's start the show. Sector one, time travel. All right, Paul, this is kind of a follow-up to a story that we had last week. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm actually a little thrown off. You normally don't give me the first story. Well, I, I time travel, and it was something that you brought up last week, so I figured, you know, why not give it to you? Indeed, sir. And this Mr. is Brad Singer. Before, has been... before we... Before, we have to do... There's slight... Yes, sir. There's slight spoilers going on here in this story um a little bit a little i i mean kind he's describing a little bit of what's going on in the movie which we really didn't know what was going on in the movie he's talking about by the way the spoilers in question are for the x-men days of future past okay 
All right. So spoiler alert, I suppose. Uh, Mr. Brian Singer is actually starting to talk in a little bit more detail about Mr. About Mr. X-Men Days of Future Past. Speaking in the latest issue of Empire Magazine, X-Men Days of Future Past director Brian Singer. Let's please remember that we, uh, Mr. Brian Singer, directed the first X-Men movie as well as X2. He did not direct the third one. That's a very important point. Uh, But uh, he explains how the past scenes and the future scenes are split up in the movie and how they serve both the X-Men The Last Stand movie and X-Men First Class. And what he's saying is that the future, in this case, is about 25-30% of the movie, and the rest of it is in the past. And so, future, they really mean the future. This takes place in the future. 2023. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all about, and it's all with the actors that you would associate with the older versions of themselves. Like, uh, you know, um, Patrick Stewart's going to be the, you know, brain dude. And, <laughs> like, Professor Xavier? Thank you. <laughs> What did you call him, Paul? The brain dude. The brain dude. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> See, this is why I have you people with me to keep me in check. You people? <laughs> Sorry. You people. Uh, the magazine also mentions that the future scenes will take place in 2023, as we had just mentioned. And the reason for Hugh Jackman's Wolverine being back in time is to stop the assassination of a quote-unquote key figure. Um, Wait, so X-Men Days of Futures Past is really just Terminator? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> So I, I kind of, excuse me, I kind of get where they're going with this. Basically, they're trying to prevent the Sentinels from wiping out all of the all of mutant kind. So basically, Mystique kills a this key figure in the past, and they think that that is the event that started the uh, annihilation, the rise of the Sentinels, and the annihilation of the mutants. Okay, hmm. well that makes sense. So, I, yeah, I could see and why they'd is, want to do that. Yeah, I mean, this is based on. Shoo, let me see. Yeah, this is based on the 1981 Uncanny X Men storyline. So it kind of, I think I know where they're going with this, and it's pretty cool if that's the way they're going with this. I was kind of wondering if how the Sentinels were going to be introduced. Have you? Do you know what they look like, Dave? No, I have no idea. They're huge robots. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, like they're giant, like purple type robots that are designed to kill mutants. Oh, wow. and in fact, they're so they're so well designed that Magneto can't even like normally if it were Magneto, I mean, it would be a non-issue, right? Because he would just crunch them and have no problem. But they're so well designed that he can't interact with them at least on their own level, right? So he can't pick them up and like throw them away. Like he has to use other things to fight them. So what confused me about the trailer that we we watched last week, that was your pick last week, was yep. that Professor X and Magneto, it looked like they were working together, but I thought they were enemies. <clears throat> they are. Oh. Well, that's kind of the thing, man. Like, they were friends for the longest time in their, yep, you know, in their young adult lives. Yep. And that, that's kind of the conflict between them, is they have the utmost respect for each other. And they were, like I said, they were friends for a very long time. But they have a key 
difference in philosophy when it comes to how mutants are to deal with the human race. Right. So Magneto is on the more militant side. He thinks that he's more or less superior to every single person on the planet. And we're, he's essentially the next stage in evolution and should be really more or less ruling us. Um, whereas, you know, Professor Xavier believes that he is, that we, they should, you know, he's more of the peace loving guy. He wants to live in harmony with all people. Okay. So it's kind of a mutual respect slash tension between them. Um, and, and, and yeah, but you're correct. I mean, like Wolverine, for example, absolutely loathes Magneto, like just because he's been lied to so many times. Mm hmm. Um, is it because of the Sentinels? Is that the reason why they're, it looked like they were kind of working together on this? Yeah, it's basically, it's basically we need to put our differences aside because we have a much bigger issue at this time around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and there's a, whenever you guys see the Wolverine, I don't know if either one of you have seen it, but there's a moment, <coughs> excuse me, there's a moment at the end of that movie that like kind of builds to what were the builds to days of future past okay oh i see what they're doing see they're yeah they don't normally do that with these movies with the the wolverine and the x-men movies mm-hmm. this is more of a other marvel <laughs> story movies you know how they kind of bridge w- with one w- with one another kind of sort of yeah kind of yeah um so no, I don't fully understand this, but as for how exactly Wolverine is sent back, there's a there's a character named Kitty. Uh, Pri- I think it's I don't know how to pronounce it. Pride. 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 I guess that's it. Kitty. Oh, that would make sense, huh? Kitty Pride. I see what they did there. Who was played by Ellen Page? Actually, wow. is going to use her phasing powers to essentially bring Logan's mind back into his 1970s body. Okay, so his he's not going to be physically there. His mind's going to be there, but not his body. Right, and I think I, I'm led to believe that that's going to happen to more than one. Based on the trailer, I'm led to believe that's going to happen to more than one person. Like I think that I I think that Professor Xavier's mind is going to get transferred to somebody else too. Like there was a moment in there where I think that because there was a moment in there where his future self was talking to his past self. Okay. So I have to think that, you know, there's obviously something else going on there. Interesting way of doing it. I was wondering how right. they were going to so, go back in time like that. Right. So this actually, this next paragraph kind of explains where they're going with this. Um, so <clears throat> this is how he, this is how he re- is relating. This is how he's using time travel. The principle I looked at in this theory is that until an object is observed, it hasn't really happened yet. The time traveler whose consciousness travels through time is called the quote-unquote observer. And until the observer returns to where he's traveled from, the result hasn't occurred yet. So basically you can muck around in the past and it doesn't happen until he, sl- until he snaps back into the new future. So as a result, you can have a lot of parallel things happening without ever having real consequences known until the end. So it's not Makes like, it, yeah, it's not like your traditional time travel paradox thing where like it happened, like the whole back to the future, you know, right. Mar- Marty's uh, family's disappearing on the pictures, you know, on the photographs. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
So, and which I actually think is a really cool idea because it kind of means that you can, there's, there's a bit of an unknown quantity there. Like you don't know how, how exactly things are going to be affected because, you know, if you want to have a storyline in the future and have a storyline in the past, you like the, the, while if you're following those events simultaneously, you like nothing's changed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, and as Mr. Singer puts it, he says, there's an underlying tension between there's an underlying tension because there's always the threat that Wolverine's consciousness could return and leave the world to even, to an even darker place. Whoa. So it could like his actions could make things much worse. So there's a element of danger here. Oh yeah. As, as with all time travel. Yeah. There is, you know, we've, we've learned this lesson over and over again, time and time again, we've learned the perils of time travel. Uh, it's also revealed that the school in the, the school for gifted children has been closed for 10 years by 1973. Um, which is probably explaining why the team isn't together anymore. Okay. And yeah, the film is scheduled to be out on uh, May 23rd of 2014. Yeah, some pretty good movies coming out next year. You got that. You got your, yep. uh, you got your next um, um, Captain America movie coming oh, out. Oh, dude, did you see that? That trailer looks great. I have not seen it. No. That trailer looks great. I really dug that trailer. Okay, it's, it's cool. I'm gonna have to check it out. Matt, have you yeah. seen the Captain America trailer? Winter Soldier, right? No, no. Uh, maybe I have. I don't know. I saw the first one. I wasn't unimpressed but i wasn't really impressed yeah no i, I hear that like I, I i think out of all of them i was most like sort of ambivalent about thor but, well i'm uh, not i'm not a huge fan of those movies to begin sure. with like i've seen them all and i don't dislike them but i don't get weird boners like you guys do for them <laughs> see this hey, is why we bring Matt on while we're on camera all right <laughs> I can't say anything not inappropriate right now. <laughs> See, this is why we bring Matt on, and this is why we encourage him to drink during the show. <laughs> Makes it interesting. I need to start drinking. I know. <sighs> no, I'm uh, I'm actually going to Thor this weekend just because I feel like I have to after watch after getting invested in uh, Agents of Shield because there's going to be a tie-in on next week's episode, so I kind of feel like I have to go see it this weekend. Huh. That's cool. I want to see it. I haven't seen. Obviously, I haven't seen it yet. That's how they get you. They yep, get you. man. I've right. invested so much in this series. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. No, I agree. All right. So here we go. Uh, that is time travel. Thank you very much, Paul Swickard. Uh, before we move yes, on to robots, uh, we would love to know what you thought of that story or anything else that we're talking about that we're going to talk about or we have talked about on previous episodes or whatever. You can tell us how you feel about Matt coming on the show. <laughs> Maybe not. I still I like doing these, and I feel like if you allow people to say something about it, I might not be invited back. No, no, no. <laughs> we would never let the opinions of others reflect my decision to have you on. That's a well. Sorry. That's a bold <laughs> statement. <laughs> So if someone said, "Here's a briefcase full of money, Dave. You can have this." Oh yeah, I would you, take the money definitely. 
you were not to speak to Matt Stein again. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Uh, I see how I write. No, no, no. I'm kidding. Uh, all right. So uh, numerous ways of contacting us and leaving feedback. You can call our voicemail number. That's 805-328-3966, a Southern California number, by the way. Uh, 805-328-39. It actually rings at Paul's house. That's a lie. Uh, 805-328-3966. Email us, galacticnetcasts, galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. All right. Let's move on to this. You know how we've worried in the past about how we uh, think that robots are going to take our jobs? And, yes. Okay, they took our jobs. Yep. Um, well, uh, it turns out some jobs they cannot do. Weird. Yes. <laughs> They're going to take everything else except for a few select jobs that uh, only humans can perform. And this is this comes from a editorial on io9.com by Annalee Newitz. She's one of the editors of uh, io9.com. Now, robots have already taken jobs from a whole generation of manual laborers, and now software agents, uh, sophisticated surgery robots, and autonomous devices are encroaching on professional workers, too. But don't worry, there are some jobs that only humans can do. In this editorial, uh, Anna Lee explains that when people abandoned farms for factories back in the uh, 19th and early 20th centuries, whole new classes of jobs opened up to claim those displaced workers. Here's some possibilities for our future when robots start taking our jobs or start taking more of our jobs. Uh, number one, human advisors. Oh. <laughs> human advisors. Basically, I saw Elysium. I know what's up. See, I have not. So, what does that mean? What What are you talking about? Oh, well, I'm kind of playing with what they're defining as an advisor. Like, there were a bunch of robots in Elysium that were essentially like welfare agents. Okay. Like, you know, like he had, for example, he had a broken arm and needed, you know, to needed to kind of explain himself. And it was more or less a endless loop of conversation because the robot, like, it, it's pretty, you know, like, obviously that's some kind of commentary on welfare. But, yeah, the robot really only has a set of predetermined responses that oh, like, you can't really. Okay, I get it. All right. Yeah. So <clears throat> human advisors would be basically um, humans helping other humans. That's what they're going to be. Uh, we'll lose a whole class of jobs for analysts and researchers, but humans will gain more jobs aiding each other, helping each other tackle problems that require more than pattern recognition and... Um, I have trouble with this word. Probabilistic modeling? I don't that? think that's a word. <laughs> I think they made it up. Probabilistic, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Probabilistic. Probabil oh, wait a second. Prob no, probabilistic, based okay. on or adapted to a theory of probability, subject to in or involving chance or variation. Okay. Probabilistic. Okay, so that's... I, I didn't know that. Wow, that's... Yeah, I think we, we all learned something tonight. My brain hurts. And I'm sure Matt's <laughs> really hurts. All right, so uh, another job that humans or that robots will not be taking, decision makers... 
humans will always <laughs> have to be in the command structure of professions that may involve robots. Until Skynet. Uh, robots will be doing jobs filled by Homo sapiens now, but will always need a human to manage them and author the strategies behind their deployment. It's possible when uh, more humans are freed, to, freed up to ponder how these decisions that our choices will be smarter, better informed, and more ethical. So what we do with the robots is up to us. That's, that's one of the jobs that robots cannot take away. They can't dictate each other. They can't say, hey, Mr. Robot, 270, go over there and do the thing with Robot 345. <laughs> do your robot thing? Yeah. <laughs> do your robot thing. <laughs> okay, that took a turn. I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I was. I, sure. just, I just for the audio listeners, I just did the robot. I did you the robot. Yes, next time I will. Okay, so another job that robots will not be taking: quality assurance. Quality assurance. Oh. Now, uh, Paul, you have yeah. a personal knowledge of this. I do. <laughs> quality assurance. Um. That's interesting. Uh, there have been a lot of there are varying opinions about this among the industry. So, okay, for everyone out there, my day job, which I don't especially enjoy, but my day job is testing software. That's what I do: is I test software. Um, and there are a lot of automation type programs that allow people to be able to, you know, like test those things more efficiently. And some parts of, you know, programs are more easily testable by those things, by other programs uh, than others. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so a lot of people have thought this was threatening our job in some way. I've seen how those programs work and they're just, I mean, you always need a person actually building up what needs to be done like there's always somebody there's always a man behind the there's there's always someone behind the program that's running the program mm -hmm. so it's just kind of a it, it's just is a different skill set like instead of you know instead of being the person to actually look at something and evaluate whether it's working or not you have to accurately create a script that is evaluating whether something is working or not so it's kind of like you know it's just a further one, you're one further thing removed from the end game, I suppose. You would almost you'd almost need a, a quality assurance for the for quality assurance if that was you yeah. know. No, it is. And one other thing is that when you're especially when it comes to automation, the front end stuff. And when I mean front end, I mean like visual stuff. There's no real good evaluation of that at all, especially if you change things on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Because, like, there's no real good program to evaluate whether an image is correct or not, especially if that image changes all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just not – it's it's far easier for someone to pay you, Dave, like, say, hey, look at this image. Is it, you know, close or the same as this other image, yes or no? And if not, why? Yeah, a robot wouldn't be able to figure easier. that out, you know. No, not right now. No. Certainly not. Yep. All right. Cool insight. Glad that you uh, put your two, two no cents in there. All right. And finally, another job that robots will not take, small businesses. Now, they took our jobs. Yeah. The, the reason that this is one of them is because 
The thing to consider about robots is that they require a big initial capital layout. In other words, businesses that replace humans with robots have to have enough cash in the bank to take an initial hit before the cheap robot labor pays off over time. Yes. Small business owners probably won't be able to afford the initial investment, even if they might save money in the long run. So don't expect your local mom pop store to be staffed by robots anytime soon. <laughs> That's true of automation as well. Like it requires much more money up front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And automation's not always the greatest because uh, it breaks. It's like every other program out there. It can break, and you need someone to tell you what's going on when it does break. Yep. Yep. And I think, you know what, if, if at one time um, we get too many robots taking over our jobs, there might be a rebellion. There might be people that go, hey, I want human interaction. I want, you know, I, I, I want. Oh, I know what you're saying. Th- I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like it's almost, we're kind of already there, right? Like when you call up a customer service line you don't necessarily want an automated like thing where you have to push buttons. Like sometimes it's just easier to talk to a person. Yeah. Like we we're kind of already there, right? Like don't, don't some companies advertise, Hey, you're going to talk to a real person when you call our customer service. Yeah, no, I think there's already a backlash on that. Sure. And just think it'll get a lot worse when it's human or when it's robots. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh. All right, so there you go. That's uh, that's the robots there. Hey, um, so question for you guys. That was weird. I don't know why I paused there like that. I don't know either. Okay, question for you guys. Do you guys like reading books? Now, if the answer is no, lie. Dave, I enjoy reading books. Matt, how about you? Do you enjoy reading books? Yes. Okay. Now, uh-huh. I don't know where I'm going with this. Provocative. Yes. I don't know where I'm going with this, um, but for the people that said no, the listeners out there that said no, you may change your mind when you don't have to actually read the books, when they will be read to you, and that's what Audible.com does. The time-traveling robots in space is brought to you by Audible.com. For you, our listeners, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the chance to check out their service. And uh, to go along with the theme of this podcast, may we suggest the following selection. Out of Time, a time travel novella by Cliff Ball. Is that the same, um, is that the same that's based on the film? I don't or rather, is that what the film is based on? I don't think so. I think this is something okay. else. Um, so here's the brief synopsis on this. In the 2150s, a scientist discovers time is actually fluid. Past, present, and future all exist at the same time. What he doesn't know is if the current timeline can change when something has changed in the past, the U.S. government wants him to find out. The theme being to make right once uh, to make right what was once wrong, or that was once okay. went wrong. I, I know what you were going with. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, he's Sam Beckett. Because that, that was the theme of a Quantum Leap, right? He was always fixing things that went wrong. That w- Yes, that was one of the themes of Quantum Leap. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, so that's the theme of this book, uh, Out of Time, a Time Travel Novella. And uh, you can get it for absolutely nothing, nothing, 
by going by going to audibletrial.com slash galactic netcasts. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash galactic netcasts. If you like listening to podcasts, you'll love listening to books from audible.com. We thank them for their support of the time traveling robots in space. Space. And I, uh, I, when I prepped the show yesterday, when I got done prepping the show, I sent a message to both you guys on Facebook, and I apologized ahead of time to Matt for giving him the story, and you will soon find out why. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Lady Gaga headed to outer space for performance. Oh, my God. Dude. Really? Yeah. And you know what? When you when you first told me that, and I looked at it, and I was like, "Seriously, Dave? Like, I just want to kick you straight in the nuts." <laughs> and then I went on Reddit today and saw it on there like multiple times, and I was like, "This is really happening. Like, it's not even a joke. This is gonna happen." Yeah. Uh, the singer will blast off in early 2015, making her the first artist to perform in outer space. Uh, Gaga's performance will arrive on the third day of Zero G Colony, a musical festival that is fittingly claims to be out of this world. Uh, Gaga will perform one song at a crack of dawn. She reportedly just, undergo no, a month's wait. worth of vocal training in order to ready herself for the atmosphere. <laughs> How does she know what the fucking crack of dawn is? Sorry. That's a really good question. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> All right. No, okay. And 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 the months worth of training, what's different about singing in zero G as opposed to singing That's in a gravity? Good question. I don't know. I'm not a singer. I don't think so either cuz you have to assume that that sh- that capsule will be pressurized to feel the same as when they're on the ground so that there's minimal change yeah. between there so. and yeah, and nope. it doesn't depressurize when you get into space, does it? No, they'll be they'll be floating, yeah, but I don't think that really affects your vocal cords, does it? No, I don't think so. Well, what do I know? I'm not a singer. I'm also <laughs> not a scientist, so. I'm not a scientist, Dave. <sighs> I thought you were. Sorry. No, my wife is. Do you want me to wake her up? Yeah. Slap around? Yes. Be That's like, actually a really good idea. Which one is guy got to sing in space? So there's I want to sing in space. What has to happen? So yeah, th- what happens? So she can sing in space. So this is gonna be this is gonna start a trend because uh, they're gonna start bringing people up uh, via the Virgin Galactic Airways, right? Well, yeah, but that's been going on for. I mean, I remember hearing years ago about famous people signing up for the Virgin Galactic. But they haven't started going up yet. They have no, yet to to go up. No. Uh, what do they say? Justin Bieber will be on that. Vessel, that uh, I Sir Richard Bronson. Uh, he wants to shoot a music video while he's in space, so that's cool. Yeah, that's. Uh, I believe that's going to be the the one with uh, Bieber. I think that's going to be the first one up. Uh, the first. Oh, that is. Yeah, because okay. because um, what's his face is going up too. Um, Sir Richard Branson, who he's yeah. the, he's the company president. So I think this is like one of the first trips up. I really hope there aren't any aliens. Because oh. think think about it. This is, you want that to be their first impression of humans? It's like, oh, Lady Gaga. These people are crazy. We need to leave now. Well, you know, to, to clarify what's going on here, they're not actually going into space. It's it's high Earth orbit. 
They're not going into space technically. That's that's true. They, it's like that plane that gets really close to the yeah, to the outside of the atmosphere or whatever. Now, if they were if they were to orbit, maybe, but they're going up and coming back down again. All right, I, um, I still am not comfortable with this. <laughs> no, I whatever. I mean, I guess if uh, you have a quarter of a million dollars, so you, you can fly real close to the outside of the atmosphere like there's a whole lot of other things you can do with that money this is the ultimate like uh rich people let's just waste yeah. a bunch of money on something i agree i agree like i said before the show i think she's just trying to one-up metallica <laughs> why they're well they're performing on on or in antarctica uh in like a month December oh, is that right? 10th, I think. Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> For well, who? <laughs> well, they said, like, I, I read this big story on it, and it said that at the, the peak of population, there's 5,000 people there. And that's when they're playing is during their summer or whatever. So at most, there's 5,000 people playing, and they're playing, like, some abandoned uh, hangar, which holds <laughs> roughly the same amount of people as Madison Square Garden. Huh. But so there's uh, going to be like five thousand people there. But the at kick, most. but the kicker is they can't, they can't have amplifiers. So people have to listen on headphones through headphones. Yes. No shit. They can't have. Why is that? Well, I don't know if it's that they can't or they're just. I mean, consider how expensive it would be to haul amplification, like a full I, PA, on boats. Yeah, I guess. Or maybe they're worried I just, about. I mean, <laughs> either that or they just don't want. There also might not be the power. There may, there may not be like enough available wattage to power a yeah. concert's worth of amplifiers. That's true. That's that's good point. Very good point. I don't know when that DVD comes out and my sucker ass buys it. I'll let you guys know how it went. <laughs> it see this seems to be a trend of like musicians trying to like who was it that a few years ago was trying? They were trying to have a concert on on every every continent or every who was that? I forget now. But it seems like there's a trend for these musicians to like set records almost like as musicians, like to the most people or for the longest concert or whatever, you know? No, I hear well, you. Well, it's like the whatever you can do, I can do better mentality. Yeah. What, what do these people do? They travel around the world, get paid obscene amounts of money to, to do what most people do for a hobby. What else do they really have to do other than think of outrageous ways to be better than everyone else and then they can release it as a live album yeah <laughs> of the thing that they'd accomplished yeah yeah all right so there you go uh gaga in space yay yeah not i know don't we all feel better about ourselves yeah, i know <laughs> i know my life is great all right, so <laughs> you can listen to all the Galactic Netcast shows on Stitcher Smart Radio via your iPhone, your Android phone, or whatever, whatever else thing that you can put apps on. Then you can listen to Stitcher Smart Radio. It's great because uh, you don't have to download from, like, say, iTunes. You can just stream it through Stitcher. Uh, through the Stitcher app. And then what you can do is say you get halfway done through a podcast and you get home and you w don't want to have your 
you know, it playing on your phone or whatever through headphones. You want to maybe listen to it on your computer. You can actually go to the Stitcher website and pick up where you left off. And then if you don't get done all the way doing that, then you can go back to your other device and start listening all over again from where you left off. So that's kind of a cool feature that you can do with Stitcher Smart Radio. And if you are interested in using Stitcher, uh, either go to your app store or, this is our suggestion, go to stitcher.com slash galactic netcasts and then enter our promo code galactic netcasts. It's stitcher.com slash galactic netcasts and the promo code galactic netcasts. I think that you will very much like using Stitcher and we thank them for their support of the time traveling robots in space. All right, here we go. Picks time. This is the stuff that we've listened to, watched, read over the last, the last week or so uh, in relation to one of our, one of the themes of this podcast. And I'm going to start. I uh, found this on Netflix the other night. It's called Jedi Junkies. What do you guys uh, think this is about without reading the synopsis? I think it's about fans of Star Wars. Yes, yep. you, you'd be Same right. Here. You would be right. It's, and it's an interesting twist on it because it's mainly about people that are so obsessed with Star Wars that they've actually made businesses off of a Star Wars-ish thing. Like, um, there's a group of lightsaber um, people that use it as martial arts training, basically, using lightsabers. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Matt. (laughs) Come on. Okay, how about this? A guy that... Oh, yeah, keep going. That'll make it better. Okay. Um... Let's see. Uh, A filmmaker who built the world's first life-size Millennium Falcon. How about that, Matt? Any better? No. That's why I didn't say anything. Okay. How about a sculpture (laughs) whose professional livelihood, he makes money doing this, building custom lightsabers? Jeez. They look cool as hell. They look like badass lightsabers. And I bet they look really cool hanging from the wall of his parents' basement. This guy is probably older than you, and he's making still, a living off it. And still living with his parents, too. Okay. This might turn you around. Uh, <laughs> uh, metal metal bikini-wearing dancers who embody Slave Leia. Where can I find this? <laughs> You're not helping. You're not helping at all, Matt. This is supposed to be I, a pick. People? I do. I want to. I want to see the metal bikinis. Okay. Uh, well, you can go either on Netflix and watch it, or you can go through our picks page at galacticnetcast.com and uh, watch it through Amazon, and that will help support our network. Help support Galactic Netcasts. Uh, it was interesting. Another uh, aspect of, the, of this documentary was the collectors. Like there was a bunch of collect, like obsessive collectors. There was a guy that had so much stuff that the his wife and their children, his wife and their children, had to sleep on a mattress on the floor in the living room because he had so much stuff that he collected that was Star Wars related. Wow. And he realized, and he, he kept on saying, uh, best advice for people that want to start collecting Star Wars stuff, don't start collecting Star Wars stuff. 
because you will <laughs> because he he gave an example of like how collectors look at things like they'll see like a package of i don't know um what's the character on what's the alien character on star wars um chewbacca chewbacca yeah maybe a, a chewbacca that is slightly different from another another chewbacca that's in it's that's in the same package except for this one little difference they'll want both of those that's how obsessive these collectors get sounds right <laughs> yeah so uh if you want to see how freaky star wars fans are then uh check out jedi junkies it's it's an interesting and entertaining documentary that i think you would enjoy except for matt probably not i actually added it to my list because i'm curious i like seeing stuff where people are uh ridiculous it kind of makes you feel better (laughs) about yourself doesn't it well and i want to see the metal bikinis yes the fact that the (laughs) picture on netflix is a rather attractive lady in a metal princess leia bikini that is it that wasn't intentional (laughs) no not at all not at all um yeah and there's there's a guy that was making the film in this and it's funny watching like fan fanfic like like fan version films because they're always just a little bit off so they're not as good as the original i can never get through them i i've tried watching fan films before like on youtube and they're always just like really i mean i understand your love of the genre whatever it is but you're just not it's just not right just not it's you know i don't know i you're well it dances easily into the realm of unhealthy yeah 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 all right um that's my pick so let's move on to paul paul what you got there i recently saw pacific rim interesting and that is i know and that is what i'm recommending are you recommending like- it did, did, did you did you like it i did like it it's a very popcorny movie. Like it's not to be seen if you, you know, enjoy deep character development. No, no, not at all. <laughs> but if you want to watch big ass robots beat the crap out of big ass, you know, Godzilla aliens, then that is the freaking movie for you. It was very, very much like um, it reminded me of, like you said, a very popcorny movie, like a. There's not a lot of deep plots. There's not a lot of deep right. characters. It's, you know, they gloss <laughs> over a lot of little details just to get to the pow, the, the you know, the uh, the robot yeah. fights. Yeah. It's one thing, one thing that I found kind of weird is that there haven't been a lot of correlations to the Evangelion series, which is an anime series. And it's heavily, heavily derivative of that. Really? Like, I, I'm shocked that not many people not as many people as i would think are talking about that but yeah like there's a seri- there's an like i said anime series called evangelion that <clears throat> called evangelion that is very very similar concepts though the tone is dramatically different like the evangelion takes itself very seriously mm-hmm. and there are a lot of very religious overtones to it not just and i'm not just talking about like christian i'm talking about pretty much all eastern and western religion but um yeah it's uh and it's it makes your brain hurt basically wow because <laughs> they layer a lot of stuff in there yeah so and it's, it's been a, it's been a long time since i've seen that series man like i saw it i saw it in college 
to its completion at the time. And they've come out with several, uh, several like several. I don't know what you call it, like uh, like kind of mini series kind of deals mm-hmm. uh, since then. Um, yeah, there was. I'll never forget this. There was one scene where you the the director filmed the theater goers watching his own film and he put it into his dvd releases like there are there what? are film there's like two or three seconds of you you see people watching his own movie that you're watching weird like it's, yeah it's just kind of like he likes taking it to that kind of weird level yeah huh but that definitely sounds like the opposite of, of Pacific Rim. Right. Yeah. It's like, it, it's so funny because it's like, but yeah, I mean, you have, you, you have robots that are very dependent on their runners and you can't just have one person doing it because it's too much for one person. So then you get into all these weird idiosyncrasies of humanity. Like, you know, what makes two people like think the same way? and you know shit like that it just it gets into really weird kind of meta type stuff i wanted that to be explored more than it was you know right i i think that could have been it could have made the movie a little bit better yeah like it's it's a weird thing man like it's it's you know like they made made it out in the movie to be you are actually sharing a mind um because the for those of you who haven't seen it uh one pilot can't handle the input that you get from the robot like you'll most people have died doing it um so you need two people to do it but then that poses a problem because you have two minds that are trying to control one object so you have to be in sync and so to find to find people at a high level of synchronicity is very rare so, you know, you have to go into like, okay, what, what is it that makes two people like think that way? So, you know, then, you know, like in the beginning of the movie, like two brothers were operating <coughs> or operating one of the mechs and, uh, yeah. So it's like, it's just a lot of, a lot of weird metaphysical questions. <laughs> this also reminded me of God, what movie was that with the whole, like each robot, was from a different country. Each country had a different robot, and they they had characteristics of each country. The 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 pilots of the robots, yeah. you know, yeah. that was kind of cheesy a little bit. Yeah, like the Russian robot was big and bulky and very like not flashy at all. Yeah, but it took a lot. Like it could take a punch, and it like dulled out a lot of punishment. And it could really dish out punishment. Yeah, uh, the Japanese one was very limber like very agile like and it had four arms and it had swords and stuff like that so it was like all all right come on guys i get it (laughs) i i loved um uh idris elba's character although he was a little bit over the top too much like like he was yelling when he didn't really need to yell at moments that's true (laughs) you know what's funny is that guy i feel bad for him because i know he's a fantastic actor like, but whenever he's in these big blockbuster deals, like his characters are usually so one-dimensional. Like I feel bad. Okay, he was the pilot in um, what was the prequel to uh, Alien? The uh, oh, uh, Prometheus. Prometheus. He was. Yes, the, he was. He was the pilot. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah, and he really didn't have much to do with anything except you know he 
had sex with what's her name yeah that's right yeah <laughs> i forgot about that yeah well good for him <laughs> i know right all yeah. right cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> but overall you enjoyed it it was oh yeah it's just it's as we all said good popcorny fun it's it you, you don't have to think when you go see it so just enjoy it it looks beautiful like it looks freaking great oh yeah so and, there you go. <laughs> and some of the some of the scenes, like the, just the destroying, like the they wouldn't even worry about when they were following the um, the kaiju's into yeah. the cities. They wouldn't worry. They like they'd use a ship to to take out the kaiju. The the robot would take up like pick up a ship and throw it at the kaiju. Yeah, like a ship. And he, he when when Dave says ship, he means like a freighter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and yeah, it, they kind of took a page out of the playbook of Man of Steel. It's like, yep, mass destruction. Yeah, it might as well. I mean, we're we're defending the Earth, so who cares if we destroy a city? <laughs> all right, cool. Is that all you got? Is that that's uh, all I got? All right, let's move on to our final pick, Matt. Uh, bringing up the rear, what do you got? Um, I, Futurama movie, Bender's Big Score. Nice. I well, yeah. I, I had a really hard time thinking of anything, and it just came to me. Futurama takes place in space. They have a bunch of movies out, and there's so robots. I, <coughs> yeah, me. I believe this was the second movie of the four straight to DVD movies that they put out when they got canceled the first time. Okay. So I mean, yeah. it is essentially a gigantic Futurama episode. Um, but what I really liked about this one was. Uh, it took place because the box network decided that they were going to cancel planet Express's contract. <laughs> and like, while they're in the box, like boardroom, the bottom of the B flickers out. So it says Fox <laughs> and They're just talking about how they're getting canceled and they're out of jobs and all this stuff. And That's funny. So basically there's these uh, aliens who, and I don't, I don't know a ton about Futurama, but they remind me of, of Zoidberg. They uh, put this virus on Bender, who, so they can they then control Bender and they like send him back in time, to basically loot every rich situation in history. So he like goes back into uh, <laughs> ancient Egypt and like robs King Tut's grave and and all these like really big gets all these big jewels and stuff and that's all they have him do for like the whole movie is do all this stuff and do his bidding and then at the end they figure it out and save the day and uh apparently they found out that uh, they found out how to travel through time because of a tattoo on fry's butt which was bender's head <laughs> so it like shows how he got the tattoo and like how it was on there and all this stuff but so basically this has every element of our podcast it has time travel it has robots in space it really does um, so I guess I did better than I thought, but yeah. <laughs> it was, it was nice to, I mean, I enjoy Futurama. I don't dislike it, but it was nice to like watch something that I actually enjoy that pertained to the show instead of trying to find, trying to stretch something that I've seen to fit into the show. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a feeling I will be watching the rest of these for future shows. <laughs> it's going to be an easy choice. Oh, it's all good. Yeah. I'm okay with that. But yeah, that's all I got for that. I mean, it's an an hour and twenty minutes of dick and fart jokes, which is yes, what it's right up my alley. 
and obscure, not obscure, but pop pop culture references. I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of social commentary. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm a, I'm a big. F- you know, I never. I wasn't really a big fan of Futurama until we started doing this podcast, and I believe Mr. Swickard. Um, talked about yeah. Futurama a couple times, and I'm like, maybe I should check it out. And I watched a few more episodes. And every once in a while, when I'm, you know, look, when I can't figure out anything else to watch, I'll, I'll turn on an episode of Futurama on Netflix. Well, as Dave put it, I believe you. What did you say? You're not an animation guy. Yes, I'm not. <laughs> not at no, all. I can see that. There's few animation that I really, really like. All right, that's our picks, and you can find them on our picks page at galacticnetcasts.com. Don't forget that last S, galacticnetcasts.com. All right, uh, before we get out of here, a question of the week, and I kind of based this on on, uh, my pick. Uh, So here it is. What science fiction franchise would you like to see a documentary made about its fans and why? Mm. It can be. It doesn't have to be time travel, robots in space. It can be any science fiction. So uh, I'll go. Okay, Paul. I'd love to see the Alien franchise. I'd love to see. I'd love to see what people have to say. Like I'd love to see fan, rabid fans about that. Just because, uh, mostly more recently now, because the 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 series has gone so sideways. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the first the first two movies were legitimately great. Uh, the third one was not not as good, and the fourth one is r- really weird. And then Prometheus is like, it, like we're a, like, it, it went to crazy town. Like nobody had really any idea like what was going on about anything. So I'm kind of I would be curious. I'd basically be curious how the fans justify that to anybody. Yeah, I'm sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure there's people out there, there's super fans out there that have a theory as to how it all comes together. You know? Oh, dude, totally. It's all. I've read it. I've read some of it. It's already out there. Like it's just. It, it's. <laughs> I wanted, and you know what? I also want to know because those same people are also going to be evaluating, okay, where does that fall into the Alien versus Predator movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, uh, so how does the, how do those two things work together? So, yeah, that's I would love to see a very long, drawn-out explanation of what is what and why things are the way they are. And, like, all the little offshoots of fandom of that <laughs> franchise, too, like cosplay yeah. and um, maybe they do, like, a fan film an alien. Well, everybody fan. knows what facehuggers are, and everybody knows that the aliens pop out of the chest spiely deal. And the reason that is is because of these movies. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. It's it's ingrained in our uh, cultural vernacular, as they say. All right. Good answer, Matt. You're up. Yeah. So, um, I when when trying to figure that, think of an answer, what I wanted to see was some sort of documentary about crazy people, essentially. <laughs> and I felt like Star Wars and Star Trek probably housed the craziest sci-fi fans, which there's already a plethora of documentaries for both. So um, I started to think a little more non-traditional about it and recalled the show Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yep. And I bet that there is a slew 
of crazy people that love that show. They're called Misties. What's that? They're called Misties. Oh, they have their own name. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that just answers me. That answers my question. Completely serious. Misties? Misties. Yes. What does that mean? Mystery science. Mystery science theater. I was like, I was, I, I was genuinely confused. I'm like, Misty's, what in the world is Misty's? I believe I'm correct, or either that, or I'm making stuff something up that I thought was correct. Like, are they literally like? Is that literally the term for like <laughs> rabid fanboy? Pretty people? sure, yeah. I'm pretty. I remember <laughs> seeing that or hearing that or something. Are you, okay. Are you looking it up, Matt? Yeah, and I don't necessarily doubt you at all i mean that yeah that kind of makes sense (laughs) you're just curious um but you know what this you know having uh fans of the show i can understand uh how they would be pretty rabid because i remember when mystery science theater first came on me and my friends used to sit around and try to do what they did like into bad movies you know i had a friend uh when he still lived with his parents, he took an old TV and like cut out out of black construction paper the row of seats and then their heads. <laughs> so no matter what they watched on TV, it looked like those guys were sitting there. That's awesome. See? Yeah. It brings out the weirdness in people. Oh, a lot of things do, but I feel like the show has a sp- has a certain kind of humor that brings like a normalcy to the sci-fi aspect of it Mm -hmm. because a lot of times sci-fi fans are like super uber nerd neckbeard type guys so having (laughs) that like normal dick and fart type comedy aspect to it like appeals to someone not really into sci-fi so i think that they're they're like diehard fans would probably be funny as hell to listen to because and and because the whole premise is not taking something too seriously because they're Correct. making fun well, of a it's movie. It's almost like YouTube before it was YouTube. You know what I mean? Like because it's like you're providing a a quote unquote normal level of commentary to really really silly things. Yes, and that's it's almost true. it's almost at that YouTube production value too, sort of. Yeah, kind of. So I don't I don't know. Just a thought. I agree. I, I no, yeah, that. totally. I agree, too. The need for TV shows like that really disappeared when things like YouTube and uh, the ability to have your voice attached to absolutely everything yeah. was readily available. So TV shows like that are no longer... No one cares about them. Um, I'm, they might if it were on television, but I don't think... I mean, like... If I were if I were a creator of said thing, I'd just kind of wonder why why would I want to go through any television channel at all? Why I mean, if it's good content, people would see it. Yeah, that's my. I mean, that's kind of a a generic statement, you know, which I'm not necessarily as true, and I don't think is necessarily true. But yeah, they're they're called Misties. It's M S M S T all capitalized, and then I E S in uh, lowercase. Oh, okay. Yep. I know I wasn't making that up. <laughs> I remember when this show, like, because this show originated in, in my hometown, Minneapolis, St. Paul. So right. I remember when it was on local TV before it was even syndicated. Wow. 
All right, so kind of like Wayne's World. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, it's it's very Sorry. much it's very much what you know why these shows aren't around anymore is because anybody can make these on YouTube. That's why you know. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. All right, my my answer is kind of boring next to you guys's. <laughs> <laughs> um, I chose Logan's Run because just because it's. It's. Are you guys familiar with the the movie and the story Logan's I'm Run? Familiar. It's. Yes. I don't remember if I've seen the movie completely. Okay. It's basically. Oddly enough, I have seen the movie. Yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? It's not good. I dated a girl whose dad thought that this movie was the kitty's titties, and he's like, "You gotta watch this thing. It'll change your life." <laughs> and really? I watched it. The what? <laughs> I, the kitty's titties. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Uh, yeah, and he's like, "This is the greatest sci-fi movie ever." Go home and watch it, and um, I watched it with my friend uh, Jr., the one who did the Mystery Science Theater thing on his TV. And uh, to this day, we still make the joke because at the end, when they're all being renewed and they're floating into space, and they just they're just yelling "renew," <laughs> so we will just yell at at each other randomly. <laughs> that's awesome. But that's like all I remember from that movie. That's cool. As you guys are describing this to me, it really doesn't make me want to watch Logan's Run. No, it's 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 the the original version is pretty cheesy. I hear the book is a lot better than the movie. Well, obviously, because you know, there's not there's only so much you can do with a movie. A book's always going to be almost always going to be better than the movie itself. Oh, um, absolutely. But uh, I hear they're they're gonna they're trying to remake this, which is I'm sure that if this was remade today in today's technology. It'd be better, uh, most likely. We one can only it's hope. It's not a bad story. It's just there was no cap. There was no capability for high tech graphics then, which is what that yeah. movie needs. Because the guns that they use basically shot out sparks. That's yeah. basically all they did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I used to actually. This sounds so weird to someone who hasn't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It does, and I could see how. Uh, a documentary about its fans because there wouldn't be the many fans of I mean there wouldn't be as many fans of this franchise as there would be say you know Star Trek Star Wars or even minor ones than that you know so I could see how it'd be a close-knit group of fans and um, maybe their conventions would be smaller than other conventions and they would play on that the documentary would play on that or maybe there's trying to be you know they're trying to make it bigger you know, and they're hoping for the, the the movie remake, you know, to get more fans of the franchise. That's how I see the documentary would be going. Um, that's my choice. Logan's Run. That's awesome. You know, there was a Logan's Run TV show, too. I did not know that. Yeah. All right. So that's it. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to us on the iTunes, on um, Stitcher. Um, subscriptions count on Stitcher too so make sure that you add us to your playlist on Stitcher as well and or just go to galacticnetcasts.com and uh, you can subscribe via email get our episodes sent to you via email it's not like the actual audio itself you'll get sent a link uh, to listen to it online but uh, it's a convenient way if you uh, aren't really a huge podcast listener uh, it's very easy passive way of subscribing so uh, galacticnetcasts.com 
And uh, don't forget to uh, call our voicemail. Leave us feedback and tell us how much you don't like Matt. Uh, 805-328-3966 or email galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. You know, I kid because I love Matt. You oh, know, no. It, you know you, that. It's really difficult to offend me, so you're, you're, uh, you're good. Okay. All right. All right. Before- it's also way past my bedtime, and I've had a couple beers, so... <laughs> You just don't care anymore. (laughs) Not caring at all. All right. That's going to do it. Uh, Final thoughts. Matt, you're up first. Um, Man, bitches ain't bitches, but hoes and tricks. All right. You know, that's going to, that's, this is what it's going to sound like. It's going to sound like bitches beep and beep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just beep the whole thing out. Yeah. And just, just, Beep it out and replace it with um, kitties are fluffy. All right. That'd be funny. That'd be very funny. Because it wouldn't be just your reverse it. Cause it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just reverse it. That's easier. Yeah, you can do that. That's fine. All right. Give me permission. Paul, uh, what's your final thought? Be excellent to each other. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for filling in. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later. This is where you say bye. I don't wanna. All right, bye. <laughs> Leave your hailing frequencies open and scanners on full because another Galactic Netcast will be approaching your coordinates soon. For more information, go to galacticnetcasts.com. <laughs>